when you come so close to death and you survive, you're naturally grateful. You, you really feel thankful to, to whatever, to universe, to, to, to God, to whatever, for, for giving you a new life. But it's very transactional at that point, or, or it was for me at that point, that my life is saved and so I'm, I'm thankful. What I realized when I began meditating was that gratitude did not require a reason. Gratitude did not require um, an object or a person or an event to, to invoke that feeling within me. And that was a big learning moment for me. Thank you, thank you from my heart, from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you from my heart, from the bottom of my heart. Stay connected to gratitude. Hit the follow button right now and join thousands of listeners tuning in each week. We're the gratitude seekers. Come join us. gratitude seeker welcome to a new episode of the gratitude podcast today with us we have an investment analyst turned entrepreneur 9-11 survivor and author his new book on a wing and a prayer chronicles his narrow escape from the world trade center on september 11 2001 and the emotional journey towards redemption that followed now, our guest is um, running a company built on the values of Ayurveda, sustainability, giving back, and ethical trade in New York called Elements Truffles. I'm very happy to have him here. Uh, he's a very pleasant company, and uh, I'm really curious where our conversation will go, especially since it's going to be um, now 20 years since 9-11. Kushal Choksi, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. Thank you, Georgian. It's such a pleasure to be here, and thanks for having me. Thank you for, for being here with us, and let us know a little bit more about you, about... Um, what you're doing right now, and um, also talk a little bit, uh, if you if you would like to, um, about that moment twenty years ago. Sure, um, you already graciously introduced me. Uh, I'm an author. Um, I am an entrepreneur, uh, and used to be a banker, uh, a, a trader on Wall Street. That's where I began my career. Um, in, in, in my current 
um, day-to-day life, I run an artisanal chocolate company called Elements Truffles. Um, and it's a company with a lot of heart in it. <laughs> but it's not, that's not how I started. I started as a type A Wall Street banker um, who kind of fed on aggression and uh, was sort of known to, to or, or learned to thrive in a very high alpha environment as the Wall Street forces one to do so. Um, I came to New York about 21 years ago, um, you know, to, to work on a trading desk uh, at one of the top investment banks in the country. Uh, and that's where my career began. Um, and everything was going hunky-dory, everything was going just fine. I was rising very fast um, in my career. Um, and at, at that moment, you know, how when everything is going fine, life has a way to throw a curveball. And that's what happened uh, just about 20 years ago on, on 9-11-2001, where I found myself in World Trade Center uh, when the first plane hit the South Tower. And the rest, they say, is history. <laughs> that's that's so interesting. So one year after after you started working there, um, 9-11 happened, right? That's correct, yes. Oh, my God. I can only imagine how, how that must have been for you. And yeah. Yeah, it Just was a little bit. Yeah, how how was that experience for you, and how it, how it changed you? Because um, thankfully, you're, you're a survivor of the attacks, and um, you can tell the story. And also, I'm sure it's it's been a, s- a story of transformation. So let us know a little bit more about that. Certainly, um, when that happened, when I found myself in the building when the first plane hit, it all happened so rapidly that it was too much for my senses to perceive. Um, I really didn't know what, what had happened. Um, you know, the, the motives were obviously not clear. Um, on, in that moment, people were not sure what had just happened. There was, of course, a pandemonium in, in the building um, and, and people were helter-skelter running all around. Some were going back to that work uh, workplace higher on the higher floors somebody was trying to run out of the building somebody was trying to go go to the train station and catch the train back out of and i was i just stood there frozen dazed not knowing what to do um, and as i gained some semblance like as i gained some um, you know clarity i just started walking towards the door um, to to get out of the building um, and ironically there was a there was a security announcement there um, asking people to go back into the building uh, because it was very unsafe outside. You know, it was because of the, the crash, the, uh, the, the little, of the, the little mm-hmm. small the fire debris, yeah. uh, things, debris, the, the splinters from the glass, the insulation. There was like a little gray haze outside. And clearly from inside the building, looking outside the glass doors, you could tell that you know, this is, this is probably not safe to go outside. And so they were asking people to go indoors, you know, go back and stay in the center of the building. Um, but there was a voice, there was someone who just said, no, let's go out of here. Let's, let's just dash from here. It's not, 
it doesn't seem safe to be here. And I, I am so grateful. I listened to that, that person, that voice, and I, I, I ran out of the building. And as I stood there trying to figure out what happened, looking at the, the gaping hole in the, in the, in the South Tower, uh, in, in the North Tower, um, I mean, the, in that moment, another plane just came in and rammed into the, you know, the other World Trade Center. And in, I, I, my senses were really on overdrive in that moment. It was now clear that there was a motive behind this. It, it, first, I thought it could be a freak accident, but clearly it was not one. Um, still not sure what was going on, but the, the, the entropy in the surroundings was just getting elevated at an alarming rate. People were, you know, the, the first responders were going into the building. People were, uh, the media was there, the, the constant kind of wailing of sirens and, and emergency responders and, and people jumping down from the higher floors. And all that was just very, very, you know, it's one of those things that get, gets deeply etched in your memory that leaves such a deep impression that if I close my eyes, the whole scene is just so fresh uh, and so vivid in, in my memory even today. And, you know, when some things like this happen, it creates, um, or at least in my consciousness, it, consciousness, it's create a very mixed set of feelings. Once, you know, I, I came out, I came back home, um, I realized that you know, I had become a, a statistic. You know, I, I was now a 9-11 survivor. So on, on one hand, um, there was a new lease of life. There was gratitude that I was lucky, I was, I was saved. There was a new sense of enthusiasm towards the road ahead. Um, and, and, you know, kind of that feeling that, yes, you know, I had to do what I was doing with even more gusto and, and, um, and force. Uh, that living of American dream, that chasing what I was here to do, uh, rising up the corporate ladder, all that felt, yes, I had to do that even faster um, because now I have, you know, a, a sort of a bonus time. Yeah. But on the other hand, there was a feeling of disinterest, if I may even say some sort of dispassion there. I felt, what was the point of all this? You know, yes, I was lucky, but what if I do something else? I take on a new adventure. I take on a new project, a, a, a new job, and I'm doing well, but something like this happens again, and I'm, I'm perhaps not as lucky the next time. What is the point of this? You know, and so there was this a very uh, conflicting sort of feeling that, that persisted for a long time. And, and in, in, in all that, I experienced a void, uh, kind of a, a strange void within that I'd never experienced before. Um, they, they say that when you see death from a very close uh, quarters, when you, when you come so close to, to witnessing death, this feeling is very natural to be, to be arising from inside. Not knowing that, I, I was feeling it and I was trying to get rid of it, but I did not know how. And so I, in that state, I persist, persisted for, for quite some time. I tried, the way I knew how to get rid of that feeling was, was by distracting myself. You know, I thought maybe I could 
do something else, do something that gave me some sort of thrill, some sort of um, kind of adrenaline rush that would perhaps go and fill that void that I was feeling. So I started traveling the world. I started going to the complete offbeat places. Um, I, you know, to, to, from, you know, most adventurous pursuits that I took on at that time, just going unprepared in the Amazon forests or going into the uh, Andes mountains and scaling the mountaintops and, you know, going in Europe, going in Asia, just trying to do all these kind of crazy things only to come back and, and face that void again. Um, I thought it was perhaps I need to do something on my professional front. This nine to five is not for me. Um, I, I need to be more progressive, more experimental. So I quit a very promising Wall Street career um, and, and joined a, a startup, just thinking that perhaps that would, you know, bring some fulfillment. But again, it proved to be a mere distraction. And I, and I kept coming back to that same place where I had started. And what actually helped then? What really helped in that moment was a chance encounter with an enlightened master, a spiritual master who was traveling from India to New York at that point. I was very reluctant, Georgian. I tell you, I was hyper averse to anything that came close to, to yoga, meditation, breath work. I thought it was a pursuit for when you retire. I thought it was something you do when you have lots of time on your hands and, and nothing else to do. But my friend who had tried some meditation and breath work, he's, he didn't buy into my resistance and he said, no, no, you should definitely come in and try. What, what's the worst that can happen? You know, just, it's just an afternoon of your investment of time. You should definitely come And So being very reluctant, I still showed up. And when the first time I experienced meditation, when the first time I tried the breath work, it felt like a lot of weight had lifted off my shoulder. For the first time in my life, I had experienced a state of mind without any thoughts for an extended period of time. And consciously, not something when you're doing, you're in a flow state, that happens, it's another thing that happens you know, without much awareness. But here there was awareness. At the same time, there was that stillness in my mind that I'd never experienced before. And that made me think that there has to be something in here that I'm looking for, that my answers that I'm seeking, that, that fulfillment that I'm looking for could be in here. I was still very um, you know, questioning about everything, doubting everything that are you sure that this really works? Am I really sure that this is not a placebo effect of some sort? Where is the science behind it? Show me the data. I had all these questions in my mind. <laughs> but with that, I also had an experience of that calm. I also had an experience that I could not deny. And so I started looking deeper into it. And as I come, came across more research, I was happy and convinced that no, there was something in it that I had to experience more. I had to go deeper into it. Wow. 
I love that. And I'm, I'm wondering if is, so was that a, a moment in which um, you were also connected to gratitude? Like for me, um, meditation is very helpful in connecting to, to gratitude deeper. Is it similar in your case? That is when I really appreciated and understood gratitude in its true sense. You know, in my narrow understanding, before I began meditating, gratitude to me was just being thankful that if somebody, you know, serves me a meal, I'm, I'm grateful towards it. Or I'm, you know, at a very superficial level. Gratitude to me was in day-to-day -day very superficial you do that to me, I'm, thank, I'm thankful to you, and so I'm grateful to you. And, and to me, that was the understanding of gratitude. But as I began to go deeper, um, and, and as I began to meditate, I really became more attuned with that quality of ourself, that that's something that is so ingrained in us, um, and, and gratitude in its true sense kind of became my experience. You know, when, when, you, when you come so close to death and you survive, you're naturally grateful. You, you really feel thankful to, to whatever, to universe, to, to, to God, to whatever, for, for giving you a new life. But it's, it's very transactional at that point, or, or it was for me at that point, that my life is saved and so I'm, I'm thankful. What I realize when I began, when I began, began meditating was that gratitude did not require a reason. Gratitude did not require um, an object or a person or an event to, to invoke that feeling within me. And that was a big learning moment for me, especially when you know, in, it, it came to this feeling of gratitude. That's so interesting. And how how does that work so for instance um for our listeners you meditate and um at one point you you can reach this this feeling of gratitude or uh how does that work in in your situation so maybe i can i can paint a contrast so that would be easier to to imagine but i could not meditate before you know before I learned breath work, this practice called sky breath, um, I really had trouble meditating because the minute I close my eyes, um, all these thoughts and to-do lists and, and all that popped up in my head. Um, and, I, and I struggled to get rid of that. Um, but when I practiced sky breath, which is just you know simple rhythmic breath work, it took my mind and dropped it into a state where I just effortlessly sank into meditation. There was no effort to meditate. There was nothing I had to do to meditate. And this practice allowed me to, to create that intimate connection with myself. You know, as it is said, we are not just this physical body. There are there are seven layers to our, our existence, seven layers to our, our being. 
the grossest is of course the physical body, but subtler than that is the breath. And then is the mind where you feel the emotions, the thoughts, where the, you know, it's a, it's a field of energy where all the feelings spring from. And beyond mind is the intellect, that judging faculty. And beyond that is the memory, the storehouses of all our experiences based on which the intellect makes the decision. Then comes the ego. And after ego is the self. So it's body, breath, mind, intellect, memory, ego, and the self. And what happens every day in our day-to-day -day life is perhaps limited to this six layers of our existence. But who we really are and where this feeling of gratitude really lives and comes from, where it arises from, is that seventh layer, the self, that who we really are, what connects Georgian in, in Romania to, to Akushal in, in New York, that thing that is common to all of us. And what I gained from this meditation or sky breath practice is ability to connect to this self at will, at when I wanted to. And I practiced that. I kind of took a little dip into that self. And in that space, all this, all this that we are looking for, whether it's peace, whether it's joy, whether it's being in the present moment, whether it's gratitude, all these, um, all these beautiful qualities of, hu of humanness are already in there. It, the self is made up of all this. So when you, when you kind of get a glimpse of this, you really begin to appreciate that, that yes, this is what it is. And, and everything else that's happening, it's, it's happening at a superficial level. It's like, it's like, you know, like how, when you go to see a movie, you know, the, the, the movie is getting projected on the white screen. We lose the awareness of the white screen, which in this case, if I may draw a parallel to a self, but the self is not tainted by what movie is projected on. And after the movie stops, you know, self returns back to it. The, the, the white screen return, returns back to its, its original self. So it was my, my experience to kind of connect with that self that gave me this ability to, to, to take a dip into to all that beauty that, that nature has to offer that's already in us. Gratitude being one of the foremost that I cherish. That's amazing. I, I love how you explain it and how lo I love um, how you're using imagery um, to make it even more clear for, for us and to, um, to have us visualize um, these ideas, these wonderful ideas. And I'm very curious now, how do you define gratitude? Like what is gratitude in your perspective? To me, gratitude is unconditional love. It's just how the nature treats us. You know, like the nature doesn't say, you know, I do this for you because you do, you're doing this for me. The, the trees don't say, I give you shade because you water me. Their, nature is always there in its resplendent self. And to me, gratitude is us 
in some small way reflecting that back. That being that, being in the moment, being connected with yourself without a reason, being just, you know, that, 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 that wanting to do something without anything in, in return. To me, that, that display of unconditional love is true gratitude. I love that. It's, uh, it's actually one of the reasons why um, the, the first, uh, the, the first um, podcast design that I had for, uh, for the Gratitude podcast was uh, of the sun. Beautiful. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, for me, it's very well connected in the sense that, um, like you said, it's unconditional love. It's always shining and um, it's unconditional and it shines for everyone. It warms us. It gives us light, and it's always a reason a reason to to feel grateful for it because it's it's always there. It's something that we can always count on. Of course, there are uh, days in which we cannot see the sun or in which its its rays aren't getting to us and aren't warming us as as much as we would like to. Um, but it's always there, and uh, yeah, I think that's very similar to to what you just said about nature and unconditional love, and um, yeah, it's it's just something that we can always be grateful for. And you know, Georgian, it, it has been my experience that that more grateful we are, or the more grateful we feel, again, we we. We, we talk about grateful as something to do, right? Actively practicing gratefulness. It helps, of course, it gets us started. But in my experience, whenever we're doing something that requires an effort, it, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it has that quality to wear thin. It, it, it creates a routine and a routine always creates some sort of rigidity with it. So initially in my earlier days, I actually actively started practicing gratitude. That, you know, and I still do in some ways, you know, it's, it's our routine, my wife and I, it's our routine. Before we go to bed, um, we, we talk about three things that we were grateful in that day. So we, I, I do actively bring it in my awareness, that, that quality of us. But what I've noticed is, or I've learned is that it is not doing, it is happening. And, and when we connect to ourselves, when you connect to, when we tap into that deeper corner of who we really are, it starts manifesting. And the, the more grateful we are, the more the benevolence of the nature flows. Um, you know, it's, it's just waiting for us to, to receive. It's gratitude in, in my understanding is just us being 
ready for for what's out there given our way you know it's all coming our way we gratitude is just our way to get ourselves out of the way <laughs> yeah that makes so much sense and uh it's such a wonderful perspective isn't it um, it's just about getting out of the way and um connecting with gratitude not or letting it or becoming aware of it actually right exactly i mean we 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 run our life on conditioning right we we do certain things certain way we behave in a certain way we um we pursue our interests in certain way that we know how know how to do it just because the world around us is being doing it forever and it the people who define that are just people like us but for some reason because it's been done like that it's expected like that from the society around us we just are so wired to do certain things in certain way and just like that certain outcomes certain happenings in the world also forces us to respond to it in the way that the world expects us to and that creates a patterns that creates conditioning in our in our in our behavior and so we kind of follow that it's just like having like a tinted glasses with which you see the world where everything appears you know red if you have a red tinted glasses but the minute you remove that you know when 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 you like how you said earlier when you meditate when you connect you with yourself you realize that all these things these patterns are just because of some experiences that you've repeatedly gone through and when that grip of those patterns is loosened you naturally cannot but connect to yourself and that was my experience and this this whole thing of of 911 it really weighed very heavy on my my mind for, on my consciousness for a long time but when i started actively doing the breath work sky breath or meditation it started loosening its its grip the the impressions were still there the conditioning was still there but it's losing its its electrical charge if you will on on my system so while it's still there as a memory it's not there to 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 throw me off my um you know of my what i'm doing it doesn't throw me it didn't throw me off my center and that i thought was the the biggest gift i i i could ever receive that's wonderful that's wonderful and i'm i'm wondering would it be possible for us to to do a short um breathwork exercise for uh, for our listeners yes why not yes why not we can do a a short exercise um can we do it about for 5 minutes or so mm mm-hmm. sure okay wonderful <clears throat> so you know there are different breathing exercises um and what breath does is it has an intimate connection with our own mind why breath works right because it has a very deep connection with the mind usually the mind where the thoughts and emotions and memory everything is coming out from where you experience these 
it leads and there's a rhythm in the breath that follows right say somebody is very angry they're going to breath they're going to breathe in a certain way yeah. somebody is in grief they're going to sigh they're going to have a longer exhalation so mind that leads and the and the breath follows behind it but what we do is now we will turn it around we learn to modulate our breath in a way that with that the mind follows we learn to tune our breath in a certain way the emotions the thoughts everything that's going on in the mind that follows your rhythm of breath because otherwise it's very difficult to control the mind as you may have imagined or or experienced yeah <laughs> so so what we're going to do is going to do a very simple breath work we will breathe deeply through our nose and then we will exhale very slowly as slowly as you can from imagining that you have a little straw between your lips so you like create a little a little orifice a little opening between your lips as if you have an imaginary straw between your lips and then you blow the air out of it as little as possible as slowly as you can got it so you're breathing in yeah. through the nose and breathing out through the imaginary straw between your lips so if you want you can close your eyes and you can take a normal deep breath in and you can breathe out and now let's take a deeper breath in through the nostrils through the nose and slowly breathing out through the imaginary straw between your lips and continue breathing in through the nose and exhaling through the little tiny opening between your lips you perhaps notice that your exhalation is getting longer and longer with every out breath Just be with that experience and keep breathing in through the nose out through the imaginary straw If the mind has begun to wander, just bring it back to the breath.
by now, it's almost as if the out-breath doesn't want to stop. It just keeps extending. As you exhale completely, you can relax and return to normal breathing. Keep your eyes closed. And one more time, let's begin breathing. Breathe in through the nose and breathe out through the imaginary straw as slowly as possible. Complete attention inwards and on your breath. Whatever the thoughts are passing through the head, you just keep your attention on the breath. Follow the breath as it goes in and as it slowly comes out.
If the mind is wandering, bring it back to the breath. And relax your breath as you completely exhale. Take a long deep breath in and breathe out. One more deep breath in and let go. And become aware of your body and your surroundings. And when you feel complete, taking your time, slowly open your eyes. Wonderful. Was it good? <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> How do you feel, Georgian? <laughs> great, great. And I'm sure that our listeners that were able to do this with us feel great as well. It's it's really interesting how the mind stops racing and uh, you just calm down and yeah yeah so, it feels like someone turned the volume down in the in the atmosphere no <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> there's so yeah. many different types of breath works georgian this one this one can calm you down there are those that can energize you there are others that can help you meditate this is it's such a such a treasure of information and, and, and knowledge out there. Exactly, exactly. And uh, talking about knowledge and information, um, we are nearing the end of our time together. And I wanted to ask you uh, when and where can our audience find your book? My book uh, can be found on Amazon. Uh, it is out for pre-order already. So you can go to Amazon and look for On a Wing and a Prayer. Or alternatively, you can go to my website, kushalchoksi.com. And there are links to um, the book um, and, and some other things also like breathwork meditations on my website. Um, so yeah, from my website or directly on Amazon, it's called On a Wing and a Prayer. And the tagline says, spirituality for the reluctant, the curious, and the seeker. 
<laughs> and how did you choose the name? You know, it, um, it, I've never been asked that question before, but uh, <laughs> I was thinking of this World War II pilot, um, John Ashcraft Jr., who, when coming back from World War II on a, on a front, he, his flight, his, his aircraft was severely damaged. It was battered. His nose was broken. The, the aircraft's nose was broken. The rudder was, was shattered. And he radios the tower that I'm coming in to land on a wing and a prayer. You know, it's a, it's a phrase that is used to say that whenever there is distress, whenever, whenever, the, whenever the things become difficult, our attention automatically shifts towards that, that higher self, something that's bigger than all of us. And I thought it was very appropriate to kind of cap my journey, which was at one level so monochromatic, so after something, until this event that woke me up and made me ask the bigger question. And, and hence the name on a wing and a prayer came. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. So gratitude seekers, you can pre-order the book on a wing and a prayer, spirituality for the reluctant, the curious and the seeker. Kushal, thank you very much for being here with us, for sharing your wisdom, for doing this wonderful exercise with us. And uh, for all of the wonderful things that you've shared with us. Thank you, George. And I really loved this last 30, 40 minutes flew by and I really enjoyed it. So <laughs> thank you so much. So did I. So did I. Thank you. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.